Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 19, My Extended Absence. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. Unfortunately, I am out for another week due to the medical procedure, which means another week without an update as to XFL developments. As I had previously mentioned during the last episode, this week's show will include a previously recorded discussion I had with Let's Talk XFL contributor Brian Roth. Brian and I will be discussing what defensive players we would like to see the XFL invite to the Players' Combine in June. As an FYI, the USFL draft has since been held and a few of the players mentioned are no longer available. That being said, here's our conversation. Welcome back, Brian. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss potential defensive players for the upcoming XFL Player Combine in June. Uh, thank you very much for having me back, Mike. I appreciate always being on the show. It's great. A few weeks ago, we tackled skill position players for June's player combine. This time around, I understand you prepared a list of defensive players. I'm interested in knowing what criteria you used for drafting your list. Just for this list, I will sort of preference this by saying that I didn't have too much on the list. Uh, defensive players, at least for me, my end kind of more unsexy positions, kind of hard to at least identify some players I can know off the top of my head. I basically went with name recognition, mainly from the fact that they probably played for the Bills before or Syracuse football, some maybe some old NFL pros that I know. But I mainly focused on NFL veterans, a couple younger guys, and in the case of one person I'm throwing out there, a guy who used to play in the Canadian Football League. So it sort of covers some different bases that I think the XFL should look into. I think that it's it's kind of a solid list that sort of does what it needs to do, even though it's a little bit short. As for my criteria, I've been doing some thinking for a while about how XFL 3.0 could improve various aspects of their business model and product on the field. Then the week leading up to the Super Bowl, during the National Football League State of the League press conference, Roger Goodell mentioned the league are adding more international games beyond London. Beginning in 2022, games will be held in Mexico and Munich, Germany. It is the start of a four-year slate of fixtures, which will include a game in each of those countries, but with a rotation between Frankfurt and Munich. The National Football League has been rumored to be interested in placing expansion teams in four nations. As you are aware, the league is currently playing in England, and in the past, the Buffalo Bills had played multiple of its home games in Toronto. So this had me thinking back to the Sportico Summit a few months ago, 
where Jerry Cardinal mentioned the ownership group's global focus. If the XFL will not have teams outside of the United States, then the next best way to have a global presence would be to include players from foreign leagues, such as the European League of Football and Japan's X-League. Outside of North America, these leagues are arguably the best. I applied this focus on the defensive side of the ball because we all know the offensive side is the sexy part of the game. By no means am I intentionally shortchanging the defensive game, yet it would have a somewhat beneficial effect on the overall outcome of the games. I would like to tackle this in the format of defensive linemen, linebackers, and defensive backs. Are you ready to get started? Absolutely. All right, the floor is yours. Keeping in mind that you mentioned something about factoring in perhaps players from Europe or Japan, just international players, which I think is a fantastic idea to just grow the game internationally and sort of get more people overseas playing American football, which I think is great. First name I have on my list is somebody that is international. And he currently, at least this past year, was contracted to the Buffalo Bills and played for the Carolina Panthers before. That's F.A. Obata. Now, the reason why I put him on the list was because he is due to become a free agent. And if he does struggle to keep on a team, then something like this could be a good opportunity for him to explore. And I do think, just to go back, anything international, try to get some European players in and so on and so forth here, I think would be very beneficial because then it would not make NFL scouts go overseas or go all over the world just to look at players. And we all know the NFL is trying to institute the international player pathway system, which has yet to really produce a solid player in my opinion, but this could be something to keep in mind, as you mentioned. A couple other names that I've written down, Sheldon Richardson is going to be free agent yet. If he struggles to hang on to a team, I think he would be a good candidate. That sort of goes along like the veteran free agent presence that's had experience in the NFL. Trent Murphy also fits that profile as well. He used to play for the Buffalo Bills. I don't think he was on a team this past year, so he might be looking to get back into the swing of things. Chris Slayton is an old Syracuse football player. The reason why I put him on the list is that he sort of represents the player that might have been in the NFL for a couple of years, struggled to stick on a little bit, and might be looking for another opportunity to get back into the league. And he's still within his mid-20s. So whether it be in the XFL or the USFL, a good opportunity like this might be for him. And the last player I have written down in the defensive line sort of represents the Canadian football aspect of things, and that's Eddie Yarbrough. He used to play for the Buffalo Bills, played for a couple teams around the NFL, but he had a career before in Canada and sort of represents, at least in my view, the bridge of how Canadian players sometimes want to go down south to play in the United States. And there might be a possibility that the XFL might try to bridge that sort of gap to welcome more Canadian players in. So it's at least sort of where my defensive players come in. I'm going to start off with, and if I butcher any of these names, not my intention. Again, I'm not super knowledgeable on 
how to pronounce a lot of these names from various countries, but I'll do my my best. I have Adeta Dayo Ode Lee. He's Nigerian. He plays for the Berlin Thunder of the European League of Football. And he is an ELF all-star. And he also played at Liberal University. He's a defensive end. So I would think that would be interesting to bring in all-star and also not just ties to Europe, but also ties to Africa. I have Kawaku Boateng, who is a Ghanaian Canadian. He's 26. He'll be 27 in 2023. He has played with the Edmonton and Ottawa teams. I have Clayton Lang, a Canadian who is 31, will be 32 in 2023. He has been on the practice squad of the Miami Dolphins from 2016, and he's played for Toronto and Ottawa in the Canadian Football League, and he's a four-time Canadian Football League East All-Star. I also have Kevon Walker, who played for the New York Guardians, and the only reason why I'm going to bring back up him is because he was the XFL sack leader. He led the league with four and a half sacks before the league was abruptly came to a halt. He lastly played on the practice squad for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's definitely a player that would be possible if he doesn't latch on or doesn't accept a contract with the USFL. I have Dominique Davis, who previously played with the New York Jets, who was 25. He'll be 26 in 2023. I have Armando Sewell who is Jamaican. He's 35. He will be 37 in 2023. I know the age is up there. He has experience playing in the arena league with the Green Bay Blizzard and the Cleveland Gladiators, as well as in the Canadian Football League with Edmonton and Montreal. And he's a six-time Canadian Football League All-Star. So even for a veteran presence, I think that would be somebody good, even if he's not necessarily a starter in the XFL. It would be good to have him in the locker room and just helping the younger players. I have David Amantu, who played in Japan's X-League for the X1 Supers Panasonic. He's a seven-time All-X-League team all-star. So that's who I have for my defensive line. Are you ready to move on to linebackers? Absolutely. I kept it short and sweet. I have two linebackers listed here. One of them is... Technically, currently an NFL player, but his contract is going to be up, and he's an old veteran. The other one's an art veteran, but it's a little more of a controversial choice, but I'll address that when I get to him. So the two names I have, the first one I have is Jamie Collins, who currently plays for the Patriots. Another one of those NFL veteran presences that if he's looking for a job, might look to end up on, on a high note, I think could be a good player to have in the XFL. Then the second one is my controversial choice, and it's Barkevius Mingo. And I want to address this right away. So this past year, he was arrested on a second-degree felony charge of indecency and sexual contact with a minor. Now, those charges were dismissed in December 2021 due to a lack of sufficient evidence. So there's no charges pending at that time, which could make him still employable. It's one of those things that obviously the XFL probably would have to do their due diligence to see if somebody will be a good representative for the league if they want to pursue that, despite the fact that the charges were dropped. Now, once I get past that, the reason why I put his name on there is because he was an NFL pro. 
relatively solid player and I think would be a good locker room presence in that regard. But it's one of those controversial choices that I had to at least preference as into why I, that should be a thing. To be fair, innocent until proven guilty. I'm not here trying to say that the XFL should be looking at players with a whole laundry list of a rap sheet. But I will state that Doug Whaley's comments during the TMZ Sports interview he did, he was talking about Brian Flores. And he was talking about the only precursor that XFL 3.0 are currently looking at is talent. If you have talent, they will find a place for you. So if that's the case, you would have to assume not being convicted of anything, not having anything still looming over him, that he would have to be in consideration if he's available. So to be fair, I would assume he'd be available. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Continue. Well, those are my two players, but at least I wanted to address that, get that out there and say, yes, I acknowledge that as a controversial choice. At the same time, he is cleared of those charges or those charges were dismissed. So he doesn't necessarily have anything pending. So he could be available if he so chooses to play in the XFL. As for me, the first name I'll start off, I know I've mentioned to you in the past, Jalen Smith, who is 26, will be 27. The Cowboys had let him go because of an injury. And then he tried to latch on with Green Bay this past season, and that was a short stint, and they let him go. And then he got on the New York Giants practice squad and did sign on, I believe, for the last two games of the season. But it it was a short-term contract. So as of right now, he's a free agent. That is somebody that at one point was playing very good football. And that's somebody that needs to be considered. Even if he's not playing at the level he had been, at the age, you'd have to think that if he can put the injuries behind him and work towards getting back to that form, that he has to be somebody to consider. Then I also have B.J. Blunt, who is also 26, will be 27 in 2023, who had previously played for the Washington football team or now known as the Commanders. I have Ahmad Gooden, who's also 26, will be 27 in 2023, who formerly played for the Denver Broncos in 2019. He's been on the practice squads of the Jets from 2012 to 2020 and the Bills in 2020 and had recently played in the Spring League for the for the Conquerors. I have Daryl Warren, who also previously played for the Buffalo Bills. He also has experience playing in the Canadian Football League with the Winnipeg Bombers in the Alliance of American Football with the Memphis Express. And lastly, in the European League of Football with the Stuttgart Surge. I have Steven Johnson, who had previously played for the Seattle Dragons in 2020. He is 33, will be 34 in 2023. But the reason why I'm also putting him on the list is he led the XFL in tackles with 48. So with him climbing up in age, it could be more difficult to latch on the teams, especially flirting around in the alternative leagues. So if this is the case, the XFL should think about bringing him back in. Even if he's not playing at the level he had previously, he'd be also another veteran guy to have on a team to help groom future prospects for the NFL. I also have, and I apologize if I butcher his name, Henek Mumba from Zaire. He's a 32-year-old. He'll be 33 in 2023. He had previously played with the 
Indianapolis Colts in 2014-2015. Lastly, was also on a practice squad with the Cowboys in 2016. His Canadian Football League experience includes the Winnipeg, Montreal, Saskatchewan, and Toronto. He's a two-time Canadian Football League All-Star, three-time All-Canadian team, two times on the first team and one time on the second team, and he was the 2019 Most Outstanding Canadian Award winner. I have Cameron Judge, who is a Canadian, who is 27 and will be 28 in 2023. His Canadian Football League experience includes Saskatchewan, Toronto, and Calgary. Moving across the pond, I have Whale Nazri, a Frenchman who played for the Berlin Thunder. I also have William Lloyd, an American who plays for the, the Warcaw Panthers of the European League of Football. That concludes my list of linebackers. I do appreciate some of those old NFL Europe names, though, that they have in that league. So that's kind of nice. Trip back to the childhood when that league was around. <laughs> to move to defensive backs, this, I think, is the biggest part of my list. I did have asterisks around one player, but obviously that one is not as controversial as my linebacker. I also have an interesting candidate for this defensive back position that also played rugby. So that's another thing to potentially think about is somebody who wants to coach switch into American football from, say, rugby union or rugby league. I actually start with that guy. So the guy I listed down in that regard is uh, Nate Ebner. He played USA Sevens and also, I believe, played rugby at, uh, at Ohio State University. He's listed free agent, so he's got the NFL experience and also sort of checks that rugby box, which as somebody who plays rugby, that's nice. I want to throw that out there. I think there's examples before of rugby players trying to play American football. I think the most recent one I have in my mind is Christian Wade, who was a running back on the practice squad for the Bills, but before has played for Wasps in the UK, pretty solid wing. Unfortunately, it is kind of a little bit of a learning curve going from rugby union to American football, but the effort was there. So going past my rugby love, I did write down a lot of NFL veterans in this case. So Daniel Sorison, I know it's an expiring contract. He sort of hits that NFL vet mark again. So is Josh Norman, who has been sort of getting like minimum deals these days. So he could sort of be sort of within the pay range for the XFL if he wants to do that. The one that I have the asterisk next to is Kenny Vaccaro. Now he did retire from the NFL to pursue working in the esports industry. And the thought process behind that was, well, I know him. I know he was pretty good. And if he wants to pursue football again, I'm pretty sure that'd be a cool thing to sort of go for. Nikel Roby Coleman, he sort of once again checks that NFL veteran mark. I really like the idea of bringing in veterans, especially NFL veterans, into the XFL locker room. Give something for like younger guys going into the game or even those international players coming over, somebody to talk to and sort of say, okay, how do I get in the league? I think that's very valuable. The one that sort of hits more of that younger player, Mark, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong because he sort of is on practice squad or hangs around the practice squad for the Dolphins, but I have Trill Williams, who used to go to Syracuse University. If I'm correct, he is Dolphins practice squad guy of some sort. He was pretty good in Syracuse. It's a hard jump to make, obviously, from college to the NFL. And if he is struggling a little bit, the league like the XFL could be a good 
way for him to prove himself to try and win a contract somewhere. So that's sort of how that defensive back secondary list sort of came about. Thinking about practice squad players, just by participating in a spring league, it does not stop them from continuing to play or signing a practice squad contract. The practice squad contracts are short term. They're just season to season and multiple times throughout the year. They're not even full season commitments. Teams are constantly moving people on and off those practice squads. So that would be a legitimate option for players. They're actually trying to play their way into a roster. You can't really do that by just getting practice reps. They're going to have to eventually get game time and increase their highlights, their footage for these teams to be considering them for more than a practice squad. I believe that that's a perfect fit. As far as my list for defensive backs, I'll start off with a couple of cornerbacks here. I have Keith Lewis, who's 32, will be 33 in 2023. His practice squad list includes the Buccaneers in 2014, the Jets in 2014, the Chargers in 2015, Chiefs in 2016, and the Lions in 2016. So he has a long list and would be an ideal person, even at a veteran, that maybe just for the love of the game, you know, for the love of football, looking to play, also help develop some other guys in the process. I have Ike Brown, who's 23, will be 24. He's had history of playing with the Buffalo Bills and also the Raiders. I have Prince Charles Awara, who's 28, will be 29 in 2023. His experience with the 49ers in 2016 and 17 seasons, and also practice squad with the Chiefs, Redskins, and Falcons in 2018. He was on the XFL Team 9, but obviously never got to play it down in the XFL. And he also has Canadian Football League experience with uh, the Montreal Alouettes. I believe he's currently under contract, so that'd be something we'd have to keep an eye on and see if he becomes available. I have Justin Rogers, who is an American who's 23 years old, will be 24 in 2023. He plays for the Hamburg Sea Devils over in the European League of Football. Former UTEP minor, just to give some people an idea who he is. I don't mean to butcher this gentleman's name. L. Raiwan Adayami plays for Japan's X1 Supers Fujitsu. He's a nine-time all X-League team players. So I don't know his age, but just that alone, he has been consistently a top player in that league. So it'd be somebody, even if he is up in age, would be maybe a valuable and name recognition as far as a player to bring over from Japan. I have Tun Adeleki, a Nigerian-Canadian, 26, would be 27 in 2023. His experience in the Canadian Football League Includes Calgary and Hamilton. He is a one-time Canadian Football League All-Star, two-time Canadian Football League East All-Star, and a Grey Cup champion. My safeties, I have Ahmad Dixon, who's 30, will be 31 in 2023. He did play for the Los Angeles Wildcats. He was second in the XFL in tackles with 44. NFL practice squad. Experience includes Cowboys, Vikings, Bears, Dolphins, all in 2014. He has Canadian Football League experience with Edmonton. And lastly, is playing in the Indoor Football League with the Massachusetts Pirates. 
I have Denzel Johnson, 27-year-old, will be 28 in 2023. Played for the Tennessee Titans in 2017 and also has Canadian Football League experience with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Lastly, I have JoJo Tillery, who's 24, will be 25 in 2023. Previously played for the Tennessee Titans, most recently played in the Spring League for the Alphas. So that concludes my list. What are your thoughts? When do we get to special teams players? Are we going to do uh, kickers, punters, and long snappers next? <laughs> this is where it's really at, Prime. <laughs> I think we both make compelling arguments for anybody that we've mentioned pretty much because I see the value in veteran presences and people with NFL experience. And I also see the value in the players that you mentioned that have excelled in professional leagues outside of the United States throughout you know, the world. And I think really, I like that approach, Mike, that you use of evaluating players from those leagues because if there is any mind to make American football like a more global sport that would be supported more worldwide and not just more of an American-centric sport, then I think including more international players or more players from outside the United States, I think would be very helpful to achieve that need. Evaluating players from those leagues who are very successful, bringing them to the United States, have them play in the XFL tryout here, I think would be kind of nice. It could potentially be another pathway for them to the NFL without necessarily going through the international player pathway program. I like that. I look at it as it's another avenue for the XFL to find fans. It's one thing to find fans that put their butts in the seats, paying for parking, tickets, concessions, merch at the stadiums. It's another thing when it comes to broadcasting. We already know that broadcasting deals is literally the biggest revenue maker for any sports league in the world. Doesn't matter if it's major league sports here in the United States. Doesn't matter if it's leagues overseas. So by just offering invites to the combine, we're not even saying definitely sign every one of these players. Just by offering them invites to the combine and selling some form of a broadcasting deal, whether it's a streaming deal overseas or whatever, it could be a good way to get an idea if there is anybody overseas that are going to be willing to buy a package, a subscription to watching XFL, if they're tuning in for a combine, it's a good segue potentially for them tuning in to watching the league. Money matters, especially in leagues that have had, for whatever reason, issues with one season and duns. doesn't matter if it's a pandemic, any money that you could bank on and put in your coffers help prepare you for a season two, regardless of whatever the world throws at you. The unforeseen circumstances that happened in 2020, you have to prepare for it. And why not just take a chance on inviting these players over? There's been Canadian football players that played in the national football league and have had success rocket Ishmael and whatnot. I mean, let's just think about why not just doing it. It's a development league. I know everyone gives me a hard time on social media about, but is it? The Rock is an owner of this league, and he says, we are going to create a pathways for players to develop and pursue their dreams. If that's not telling you that the XFL is a development league, 
I don't know what world these people are living in. It is a daily league. I mean, it is what it is. And to argue that it's something else is just absurd. I'm not trying to argue anybody. It's just, there's no reason to argue. It is a development yeah. league. So why and not find ways to develop not only players from the various collegiate leagues, like we had discussed last time, whether it's lower tier division one teams with historically black colleges or D2, D3 players, Juco players, whatever it might be. Why not take a flyer on some of these guys that are playing professionally in other leagues that have some sense of, okay, this is a job. I'm getting paid for it. Maybe they're not making millions of dollars, but they're still trying to find their way to making it in that sport. They have a hunger. They are playing for the love of football. The slogan the XFL is talking about, just give them a chance, bring them in, let them compete. In a worst case scenario, if you do sign them, maybe they're your fringe players. Maybe they are your team nine players, but bring them in and have them developing, maybe not for season one, but for season two, start bringing in some of that foreign money on top of whatever you're getting for broadcasting deal, on top of whatever you get bringing in for game day revenue at the stadium. To me, it is just obvious. It is opportunity to jump on. The Canadian Football League are starting to do this themselves. They are starting to look into ways to bring in more global eyes, not just the United States, but global eyes. And they're looking at maybe having a roster position that every team will have to have a foreign player on. I'm not saying go that far, but maybe that's an option. Maybe you extend it. 45 players, but 46 and 47 have to be non-American citizens. I'm just throwing it out there. You're also talking about what almost, I don't say almost any soccer league, but a lot of soccer leagues out in over all the world have quotas on how many international players you can bring in to that team. So you're almost saying a similar thing, which I think would be, I won't say an artificial way, but just another way to sort of get people into the team and help have them incorporated in the team. And the way you're talking about the XFL being sort of a development league, any development league that I know out there has those older guys with those younger guys. The emphasis is on the younger guys, but you always got to have those older guys in there to, you know, sort of show them the ropes. Sort of see, this is how you're a professional. This is how you get to where you need to get to. And that's sort of obviously the way I sort of look at these sort of lists is I sort of identify the pros, I say, in terms of who are those guys who I think would be great role models of sorts for those younger guys. And that's sort of the way I gravitate towards. I agree wholeheartedly. It just makes sense. And the reason why I'm looking at foreign players on the defensive side of the ball, like I had previously stated, I'm not trying to shortchange the defensive side, but let's be honest. The offensive side of the game is the sexy portion. The scoring, the highlight reels, everything rules-wise has benefited quarterbacks, whether it has been roughing the passer, the slides, all of that. So if we're going to do this, Doing on the defensive side of the ball does not hurt the integrity of the offensive side. It keeps the offensive side high scoring. You know, you won't have as many false starts or just penalties in general. Just that continuity will stay there. If the defensive side is the liability, then so be it. That would be the place. And you mentioned special teams previously. I have no desire to get into talking about special teams, but if we were going to do special teams, why not let the long snapper be from Japan. Why not let him be from 
Europe. Does it really hurt that the long snapper is from a foreign country just to get him on the roster? Just so somebody, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a sexy position either, but does it matter if the kicker is from Mexico? Does it matter well, if do the, that kickers are punters anyways? Well, right. I can't so, tell you how many times I see kick punters from Australia. So, man. <laughs> so there would be opportunity. I'm not saying that the American players should not be considered for punters, kickers, and long snappers. I'm just saying if there becomes a quota, if they elected to go down that avenue, that would be another place you could potentially put it. Is a kicker really going to kill you? Probably not. They're probably just going to be almost as good as any other kicker. If I had to make a rule with uh, that, I would say, okay, quota for players, but those foreign players cannot be kickers or punters just because that's, I feel like that's usually the route they would go. <laughs> right. So. I think it would be the smart way of stashing a player that really doesn't hurt you, especially in the XFL. When they did extra points, they had the one, the two, and the three-pointer, and they weren't even kicking extra points. So literally it was just a kickoff and field goals. Even if you look at the punting rules from 2020, they pretty much made it difficult to kick those, uh, what do they call them, those, the corner kicks. If they went coffin out, corner, it, it, it would have yeah. the coffin corners, right? So yeah. it would advance the ball to the 35. So by doing that, it wouldn't even make sense. You might as well just not worry about the kicker or the punter position. I think they're more of an afterthought, not that you don't find somebody. Right. I think the focus would be to put them in a position player that they're actually playing more often than maybe three times, four or five times, you know, for quick plays. It'd be nice to see them out there routinely, at least in rotation, even if they're a bench player. I agree with that. Well, that seems to wrap up our conversation. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to join the show and discuss potential defensive players. I really look forward to your next appearance. Well, thank you very much, Mike. It's always a pleasure, and I look forward to being on soon. Till next time, cheers. I am hopeful that I will be clear to return for next week's episode. That way I can catch up on the XFL developments. If for some reason I am not, the show will have a dilemma because there is no more content to upload. So, cross your fingers with hopes that my time away is not extended any longer. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.